The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Living like it matters, and of course, I have to share with you what matters to me today. It's uh, it's something that's quite troubling, uh, I, I guess for lack of a better word, but it's, it's something that certainly concerns me. I think uh, many of you out there who who may or may not know, uh, last week I think it was I think three high school students in the period of one week died as a result of football injuries. Now, I don't know the extent of the injuries in terms of what the injury was. I don't know if it was brain trauma. I don't know if it was heat exhaustion. I just know it happened on the football field. I'm going to say they all probably had something to do with an injury, probably head-related. And I think those young men deserve attention. I think, I think you know, there's so many things that are going on out here today in, in society as it relates to sports. But that is something that we, that deserves as much attention as anything else. Three young men who I would assume are high school football players that might one day, if it was all possible, they would have loved to become professional football players. But I, I, I think that we should spend more time looking into what really happened to them and that whatever happens in the future, that they should be part of the future, the change of the future in making this game a safer game. Uh, I remember when uh, it was a few years back when a young man named uh, Adam Terrafaro uh, was a defensive back for Penn State University, and they went into the shoe to play Ohio State University as a freshman. I had never met Adam in my life, but I uh, spent some time with his uncle. And what happened was, uh, I think it was late in the second half of the game, and Adam was in the game, and um, a running back, and I'm not sure if it was Eddie George, but a running back came around to what was a defensive left side into the boundary, and Adam was there to make a tackle. Made contact with the running back in the knee. Of course, he did this with his head. Uh, Adam laid very still on that field for a very long time. He was paralyzed. He, as a result of, he had stopped breathing at some point in time, I believe. Uh, but according to the way the story was told, uh, the fact that Ohio State University has a, its own hospital right there on the campus, you can see it on the open end zone from the stadium. And, uh, of course, they, uh, they got Adam over there and they were able to save his life. 
Now, I tell this story only because when Adam came back, to, they brought him back to Philadelphia, and he was in a hospital there uh, in Philadelphia, and I went to visit Adam as a show of concern because I was concerned. Nothing more than that. I was just concerned for a young man who actually was playing a position that I played in college football. I played that same corner. He was on the left side, and, and I'd been in that position to make that tackle many times just like him. And so I might have saw myself in him. And, and, and so all I could think about is what would I want somebody to do for me? And I would want somebody who cared about the sport, about the person, about what happened to come visit and to, to, to provide some words of encouragement. So what I did is I, I went to the hospital to visit Adam. And when I went to visit Adam, all, all I could say to him is, Adam, you know, you're in my prayers. I'm going to continue to pray for you. But, but I, feel, I just feel like God is telling me that there's something bigger for you than, than this, that, that th you're supposed to take this and, and you're supposed to fight it and, and you're going to win and you're going to win and it, your story's going to be so much bigger than any football career you could have ever had. Now, I know that's hard for you to believe right now, but that's, those are the kind of things, probably the exact words I was saying to Adam. But I also said this to him. I said, Adam, I want you to know that, you know, I don't know how many times I'm going to come visit you. There are going to be other people that are going to come visit you, too, early on. But I don't know how many times they're going to keep coming back. But what you're going to have to do is you can't give up. Regardless of who comes to see you or who does, you can't give up. Because God has something so much bigger for you than this injury. This injury is not going to own you. You're going to own it. And you're going to use it because it's going to give you a bigger stage and a bigger platform to share your story and encourage other people. I'm happy to tell you today, October 2014, you may have heard the story, Adam Terrafall, not only can he walk, he walked out onto the field, he walked to get his degree, he's now an, an attorney and doing quite well. Now, unfortunately, these other three young high school players that I'm talking about, they don't have the opportunity to do the very same thing because they're no longer alive. So it's up to us to take their story and use their story to make it bigger than that incident that happened that night, to, to make their life continue on in such a positive way that they can help so many other people by sharing their stories. Like Adam is sharing his story, we're going to have to share their story for them. But we're going to have to use their, the example of what happened to them to force this game to change. It's got to be a safer game. So what I'm going to do right now, I'm going to take a moment of silence because I like to do that whenever one of us, you know, from the fraternity is, happens to find himself in a better place. Just want to acknowledge them on the way up. So I'm going to take a moment of silence for those three young men, high school football players who lost their life playing a game that they loved, only for the purpose to shine light onto a bigger, a bigger stage that they're going to be the stars of every time, and that is making this game a safer game. So here's a moment of silence. All right. So I'll tell you what. Um, I know I got Chef Julian coming in. I asked him, I think, to call in at about 
4.30, my time, 4.30 Eastern Standard Time. So uh, let's uh, be on the lookout for Chef Julian. Uh, I know they said he may be on the line there, but I know I have another special guest who's going to be joining us at about 1.15. So we're going to get to Chef Julian at about 4.30. Um, but, I, man, I just want to say this. There were some great, 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 great football games. College football games were off the chain. That's some old school. It's, it, they were just, you couldn't have asked for better college football games. Now, the only thing that co- the great college football games did well, they totally disrupted what we see as this, you know, this college playoffs. The teams that we anticipated in this college playoff, wow, some of them, if we, you know, really what the preseason showed, some of those people, they're, they're not there. I mean, we certainly knew Alabama was in the picture. I'm going to toot my own horn. I'm going to say if Braxton Miller was, was, was healthy, maybe Ohio State's in the picture. Was Oklahoma in that picture? Was, was, was Oregon in that picture? You know, it, it was some great college football games. But, you know, they say it in the NFL all the time, any given Sunday. I don't know why they don't feel like it can happen on any given Saturday. I mean, this is what, this, this is what some of these college football programs, they're built to, for upsets. They only get a big game every now and then. You know, you get a couple, during this season, honestly, I don't care what conference you play in, you got a couple games, you know, maybe three games that are, that are, that are significant to the point where they could probably draw some national attention. And, you know, other than that, your other eight games are, are you know, you're basically, you could get sucker punched because you may not be taking them as, as seriously as you might want to take the games that you know you should pay, you know, attention to. And you should prepare for You should prepare for every play, not just every game, but we know how it is sometimes. It's, it's, preparation is hard. I think sometimes people forget that we ask these young men to play this game for 60 minutes. Now, to some of you, you know, 60 minutes may not be a long time. In, in, in reality, it really isn't. And, and 60 minutes, you know, of a football game, really, you don't play 60 minutes of a football game because, you know, the game lasts 60 minutes. But you're, if you're an offense or defensive player, a special teams player, you probably play maybe a third of that, two-thirds of that at the most. If you're an offensive guy and you play on all the special teams, okay, if you're a defensive guy, you play on all the special teams, you play on two-thirds. But let's say if you're a quarterback, you know, if you're, if you're a center, you know, if you're a nose tackle, you know, you may only play, you know, a third of the game. But that, that one third of that game, I, I, I would doubt that it is probably the most excruciating pain that your body goes through throughout your lifetime because you're constantly getting hit all the time. You know, I'm, I'm actually watching football games more carefully now than I've watched before. And it's amazing to me as I watch this game, that, I mean, I think I've shared this with you guys before. There was one time in my life where I think I told George, George, uh, no, no, it wasn't George Katavis. George Katavis was actually at Purdue University. No, but it was uh, um, Coach O, Oliver Dottie, was my secondary coach at the Cleveland Browns. And I, I actually said to him one time, you know, I said to him, you know, Coach, I man, I, I'm serious. I got I to gotta talk to you about this, man. I, I don't know if I can do this anymore. 
I said to him, I counted, and my body was hurting on 13 different places this morning when I got up, man. 13 different places. That's, that's, man, that's talking about painful. You know, you can't lay on this side. You can't lay on that side. You can't lay on your back. Can't lay on your stomach. You know, you can't sleep. You sit in a chair. You know, you can't, your neck is not right. God forbid it's an away game. You come back on a plane. I mean, this is some serious, serious punishment that these young men are putting their bodies through every day. And I, when I watch that, you know, every game and I watch that, I see that. And I just see, you see some of the blows that they take. And oh, my goodness. I, I just can't believe it. I don't know what made me do that. I know what made me do that. That big screen TV, it wasn't so big when I was a kid. <laughs> but it was, the, it was the bright lights. It was the stars. That's what it was. You, you show, it was showtime before showtime. All you wanted to do is you wanted to get on that tube so your parents could see you. Well, I tell you what, we got, we got a lot of football we're going to be talking about, but I, I believe uh, when, I, when I take a break, I'm expecting Guy Troop from Troop 21 uh, to actually call in today. It's that time of the year, and it's time for players. Actually, players need to start thinking about it before they start playing. Is what am I going to do when this is all over? When it's all said and done, I still got to go to work. I still got to have a job. I got to own a company. I got to do something. I can't play football forever. So, as one of my friends said to me years ago, what you going to do? Think about it, young man. You're playing football now, but when it's all over with, what you going to do? I'm going to tell you to handle your business because that's what the broadcast is, and we'll be broadcasting live from the Player Networking Event, this year's 15th annual Player Networking Event. Handle your business again will be the name of the broadcast. We're going to take a break, and we're going to come back, and hopefully God will be on the line. But if not, uh, we'll still talk some football. You listen to Ray Ellis Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters, and we'll be right back. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the 3 is very much the one to be. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. Spicer, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports.
All right, you hear the music, you know the show. You're listening to Rayella Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix living like it matters. And uh, what matters to me, as I said to you, uh, unfortunately, we lost the lives of, of three young men, high school athletes, who I'm sure one day had hopes and dreams of becoming professional athletes. And so uh, we pay homage to them with the moment of silence earlier in the show. And uh, now we'll, we'll move on to something that... Uh, just like those young men's life is extremely important to me. And that is at one point in time, those young men uh, were going to be faced with a situation of, of trying to adjust to a lifestyle uh, without playing football. And so I'm suggesting that we, we continue to keep those young men in mind uh, as we go forward. And that somehow or another, when we think about making the game safe, that we use safer, we use them as an example uh, but one thing that I want to do, I want to use an example of a man who's cared about young men, young athletes um, for many years, uh, certainly been doing a great job at the Super Bowl where he hosts the annual player networking event, and that is to address the, that issue of transition and life without, uh, without football, and that is uh, Guy Troop. And so Guy's joining me today as we get a chance to start talking about this year's uh, player networking event. Uh, Guy, how are you there? I'm doing well, Ray. How are you? I'm doing good. As you as you heard, Guy, of course, I'm feeling a little sad last week. We lost three young men um, uh, to injuries on the football field. They had died as a result of something that happened on the football field. And, and we're, we, we've always spoke about uh, that there's more to life than just football. And, of course, you know, part of your goals and your passion is to assist men uh, with that aspect of their life. So you're getting ready to do some of that and address some of those issues at this year's uh, player networking event. Is, is is this year, with all the things that have been going on outside, off of the football field, has it made you, has it brought more intensity to your work? Has it, has it brought a spotlight onto your work, Guy? Or are you still going about your work as you normally do? Ray, I've, you know, always been taught that, you know, slow and steady, is the way that you can only uh, address behavior or, or attack a problem one day at a time, one step at a time. So, you know, Troop 21, the player networking event, you know, my associates, the team of men and women that work to help players transition into and out of sport, we're, we're, we're working uh, at the same pace with the same goal in mind, uh, the intensity, however, has turned up based upon the attack on the game of football. And, uh, and I'll be specific about the attack. There's an attack on the National Football League uh, coming from multiple angles. Uh, is the game safe? Is the league exploitive in nature of players? Uh, and, and, and there's an attack on players that coming directly from the media. Uh, are players worthy of the top salaries in the world? Uh, should they be held to a higher standard of behavior because they're public figures, elite athletes, role models? Uh, and so I think, you know, there's multiple attacks in, in motion right now. There's an attack on the NFL Players Association. Are they doing enough to protect uh, members of the association, the players' union, uh, did they do the right thing by Adrian Peterson or Ray Rice? Uh, so there's, there's multiple attacks in the air, which which 
heightens all of our awareness about, you know, a game that we love. Guy, let me ask you, is it, is it, uh, of course, Roger is, is the, um, he's the bullseye on, 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 you know, that's on, it's on his back. You know, everybody's throwing darts at him. Everybody's, you know, firing directly at him. Uh, not to take up for Roger, but let's just look at it from a different perspective. Roger is in the football business. Should he be held accountable for all these things he's faced with today? Well, I think we're all hand. We all should be held accountable for what we say and what we do. And so he should be held accountable for what he says publicly. If it's if it's in any way proven that he has done something different privately. But if you talk about the game itself, you know, I, I have a position that says in America, we're innocent until proven guilty. In America, we all have the right to work. And, you know, if you're not a felon and you're locked up, you know, Herm Edwards says it on ESPN all the time, the top ability is availability. So if a man is legal, walking the streets, and he's free to work, Personally, I believe until the court system prosecutes you uh, with a felony or they lock you up, that you should have the right to work in the National Football League. And I believe that that is the macro level, highest level argument that the NFL Players Association should be arguing for to protect this constituent. Speaking of this constituent guy, I believe the National Football League needs help. I believe I played in the National Football League for for many years, and I believe that the National Football League coaches were very good at what they did, and they coached football. Very seldom, very seldom did I have a conversation with one of my coaches about something other than football. But when I when I did, uh, they were short, they were brief, but I realized they like I they were men, and 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 I believe in in experts, and and I believe that when you have a problem, you seek out the help of an expert. I guess I want to know if you think Roger needs to turn outside to some experts or should he try to shoulder all this himself to protect the shield? Well, well, Commissioner Goodell has a trusted circle of advisors that I'm certain he's leaning on. Uh, It may not appear to the world that he is leaning on expert advisors, but uh, he's a bright man. He's an accomplished man. So I'm certain that he is leaning to a group of advisors. You know, the public, the outside looking in, are plenty of people who are critical of of who he's choosing as his advisor. So in the domestic violence scenario, the three women that were chosen, I've heard criticism of that group, of that selection. But, you know, I'm sure that his advisors brought together uh, a ton of resources, a ton of advice, and he made, a, he made an educated decision. So, you know, we all prone to cast stones about the behavior of, you know, mega corporations, corporate America. And and so personally, I believe, <laughs> personally, I believe that, you know, we all have a prosper there. And in this case, his tenure as the commissioner of the National Football League, it'll be measured and judged over time. But he's, you know, I'm certain that the 32 owners trust him and they believe that he will always do what's in the best interest of the National Football League. 
Yeah, I, I like you being a, a man of faith myself, too. I believe this is this will be a part of his testimony. I think he will make it through this. Uh, I'm not going to say he'll be unscathed, but I, I certainly think he will make it through this. But certainly, um, I'm going to say I'm just going to take it upon myself based upon the fact that uh, the work you've been doing, you've been doing it for 15 years in the player networking event. It's been a sanctioned Super Bowl sanctioned event for 15 years. Uh, that's putting trust in you to allow you to uh, to to have access to the NFL and its access uh, it assets, if you will. And certainly uh, those assets are its players. And you've been doing a tremendous job with this player. So I, I want to talk a little bit about Troop 21. First of all, what I want to do is I'd like to give a shout out if I could uh, to you guys. Also here to Voice America, too, because uh, there was an historical moment, at least for, for, for me, uh, because as a sports channel director working with you and working here at Voice America, uh, I was able to work with the young man and give him his chance in media. And that, that young man is Lemon Williams, and he got a chance for the first time uh, to be a part of a, a broadcast as a color commentator on ESPN. So, again, that's a, that's a compliment to you, and here Voice America as well as was a part of that. Well, Ray, you know, I believe we're all connected in some way. Uh, you know, there's this six degrees of separation theory. And Lemont Williams uh, actually is the man that brought you and I together so that we could do uh, great work uh, on, on behalf of athletes. And so I'm excited that he, that he uh, was able to get the contract to call games for ESPN3. And, but I'm even more complimentary to you for having the vision to create the Voice America Sports Network to train, you know, 30 to 50 athletes annually in some capacity to get the repetitions they need at journalism so that they can become accomplished professionals. So my hat goes off to you. And so it, the work that we're doing at Troop 21, it's, it's uh, sweet. It's, uh, it's really uh, just about men helping men, women helping men, men helping women. And uh, it happens to be done in, through the lens of sports. And it, which I'm passionate about, but uh, this is this is just you know high level social work with a with an entertainment platform. So if I could take the liberty, Ray, to close out the player behavior commentary and then talk a little bit about the player networking event at the Super Bowl. It's our 15th anniversary, but I, I really want to close by stating that uh, again, we all have opinion, and here's my opinion that the National Football League. Uh, is a high risk, high reward business. If you play cornerback in this, and and uh, John Elway throws the out route against Ray Ellis, and you're playing corner, you know, in the '80s, you know, you can try to take the risk, go get the ball, take it to the house, and win the game, or you can play conservatively, uh, drive on the ball, knock the knock the ball down, or you can just tackle the guy, hopefully short of the first down. And that's the way I view this player behavior issue: that it's high risk, high reward. So. The NFL scouts and coaches know that that Super Bowls, conference championships, all Americans are not made up of, you know, excuse the expression, but a group of choir boys. I've heard that all my life, that you need some tough guys, you need some gladiators, you need some crazy men in the sport of football. And so the personnel people who scout talent, that's their job. And it's someone else's job to figure out if they can keep them out of jail or keep them off the blotter or keep them compliant with the laws of America. And so coaches and personnel 
everyone that I talk to understand the social responsibility, but they understand that they're fired when, when athletes cannot make plays that result in winning games. So NFL security, the personnel directors, they know everything about every guy that they allow to work in their league. So if you have a propensity towards marijuana use, violence, alcohol, there aren't many outliers that slip through it without any sort of history that something was wrong. So the millions of dollars that they spend doing background checks on athletes, I want you to know that, that everyone knows what Ray Rice was capable of uh, leading into his career in the National Football League. And they took a, a calculated risk to offer him a contract because he could run the rock. Wow. And so uh, I just want to close it out by saying I believe from a public relations standpoint that, that somebody needs to help the NFL tell that story because it's the story that I hear every every week, every day that, that I engage with a football man. And that, that's what they tell me. Guy, this kid can come off the edge. He's a little crazy, but he can come off the edge, and we need him. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, Guy, we're going to take a break. And uh, we're going to close that out, and, and you did an excellent job of, of giving that information to us. Again, you don't get this kind of information anyplace else. That's why you have to be sure to tune in to Rayella Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. We're going to take a break, and we're going to come back and talk about the 15th annual player networking event hosted here in Phoenix at the Super Bowl. We'll be right back. <laughs> Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the three is very much the one to be. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. Spicer, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine-horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to Win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between, discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. We'll be right back. 
glad you hear that music. You know the show. We listen to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. It matters to me that three young high school football players lost their lives last week, and we want to pay homage to those young men and uh, always keep them alive in our minds and our hearts and our spears. Uh, to know that they uh, their lives are lost, that we somehow would use them as an example to make the game safer. So I'm going to do all I can to remember that and uh, to remember to fight on their behalf uh, to hopefully eliminate anything like that happening to anybody in the future. Uh, as promised, we're going to go on and we're going to talk to my good friend Guy Troop, CEO of Troop 21, who will be hosting the 15th annual player networking event. Uh, here in Phoenix, Arizona, during the Super Bowl festivities. Uh, guy, 15 years. Now, I, I know when I go back 15 years, uh, certainly digital media was not what it is today. Uh, but there is a lot in various industries that have changed uh, that has created some opportunities for, for athletes that are looking for either employment, entrepreneurship, um, interns, shadowing experiences. So as you've been out there in the world and working with, with players and working with corporate America, uh, what are some of the changes that you may have seen that corporate America has to offer athletes or maybe what athletes have to offer to corporate America? Well, Ray, there's tons of attributes that uh, athletes have that can contribute to corporate America. Uh, but I don't like to just uh, focus transition on corporate America is perfectly fine to transition into uh, a manual labor career, uh, work in the charity space as a small business, as an entrepreneur, or just, you know, mom and pop sort of organization in your hometown. So transition wears all hats. And, you know, the, the most important thing for me is that we teach athletes that they're capable of transitioning in a healthy way. Hey, Guy, can I just interrupt you right there? Because you said something. I'm, I'm glad you put a different spin on what I said because I know athletes are some of the proudest men you would ever meet in your life. And, and to me, I found that part of the adjustment and the difficulty for those in making that adjustment is that it, in terms of prestige, they're not, taking a, they're not taking a lateral step in prestige of a job. And so, therefore, they're not willing to take one of those jobs that you just mentioned. How do you counsel them through that process? Do you ever spend time with them and let them know, hey, you're not going to step into, certainly you're not going to step into a job making $3 million a year. But even the prestige of, if you will, of what you do in life, you might enter in at a lower level than where you left from. It is not going to be a lateral movement. How do you deal with them from a psychological aspect to get them ready for that? Well, um, I've shared this story with you maybe offline before, right? Uh, so I'll share it with your uh, listenership. The <laughs> At one point, I was conducting a workshop with the, uh, the NBA D-League, and so I was on a tour for all the D-League teams, and I was speaking with them about career transition. So they were elite college players that had been uh, regulated to a semi-professional league, uh, arguably not as competitive as Division One basketball or even some of the European leagues, uh, and they were all hoping to make it to the NBA. So I talked in opening my session up about being prepared for the day when uh, the cheering stops, when 
when the game is yanked away from you. And so my question to the group of uh, this particular team uh, of 30 athletes, two, we did the tour with two D-League teams uh, every time. So if Team X was playing Team Y the night before, we'd have two teams together in a workshop. So I said, how many of you would pick me, guy troop, 5'7", 200 pounds, former football player, 40 two years old at the time, would pick me in a, in a pickup game if you saw me sitting on the sidelines at the YMCA. And these are, you know, men six foot to 6'10 on average, and, you know, they're elite basketball players. And so they all laughed at that comment. There's no way I'd pick you. And so my, my comment back uh, with the, the, the most stern, serious face uh, that you can imagine was, well, if, if I was picking a team uh, to go and make money in with, with the business, I would not pick you because you don't have the skill and ability of others because you haven't gotten the reps at it. So you started playing basketball or football at 7, 8, 9. Uh, I just saw recently where they said Ray Allen in the NBA put up a 1,000 shots before every game. So for a 15-year career, just before an 80-game season, he put up a 1,000 shots. So wow. you can only imagine how many shots he puts up on off days. Wow. So the repetition of why Ray Allen is a great shooter, probably one of the best ever, is that he's practiced over and over and over again. So the Allen Iverson, we're talking about practice. We're talking about practice. So uh, I tell that story to say that my my teaching point for an athlete who wants to be successful outside of sports is it's going to take time. You have to get the repetitions in at a particular function of business. And when you, when you put up enough shots at becoming a sales executive or a marketing executive or a human resource executive and on and on and on around the functional areas of business, then you will become a pro. You know, that, that's that right there, guy, is I want to tell you that hit me in my stomach. I've heard the story before. You, Ryan, you know, I've been hit my head a few times every night and I forget. But when you when you start telling the story, it came back to me. And, and that punch in the stomach when you said I would not pick you. Those are the types of, you know, they need people to be candid. Sometimes, you know, things are sugar coated for athletes outside of the playing field and outside of the locker room. But I think sometimes people don't understand, and certainly I've been, I've been saying this throughout this football season, you know, hard knocks probably was one of the most, mm, I don't know the right word to use for it, but certainly in terms of how players were coached verbally, it was quite revealing of, 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 of the, the amount of emotion uh, that is put into it from a coach who doesn't have time for those who are not willing to become prepared and ready to play. And he, he didn't spare any words at all. <laughs> you know, he didn't call you right. his best friend. Uh, but he was giving it to you like that. So, so in other words, what I'm trying to say is I believe that people feel that, that players have to be handled a certain way and, and they're not mature enough to, to ex- accept reality. Uh, and so, therefore, they try to spoon-feed things to them, and they give it to them in ways of which they're not, you know, giving it to them in such a way it's clearly understood how you feel about them. So when you let them know that in that environment and you hit them with that, 
I, I think more of that, those types of conversations need to take place. So let me ask you, so the player networking event coming up, of course I know, but there's some people out there who may not know. Should they expect that type of stuff? What should they expect at this player networking event, particularly this 15th annual one, which I think is going to be a special one for you? Well, this is our crystal anniversary. We we're excited about it. We uh, typically uh, we've done networking event the Saturday prior to Super Bowl. We've expanded our uh, lineup, if you will, this year uh, with the Pro Bowl being in the same city as Super Bowl this year in Phoenix. We're starting as early as the Tuesday prior to Super Bowl Sunday, where we have a, the PE golf pairings and draft party, where we're linking corporate professionals with athletes in a in a fun environment where the golf foursomes get to get to draft a player for their for their for the golf tournament. The golf tournament will take place the following day uh, on Wednesday, January twenty eighth. 2015 at the Carolyn Golf Club. So we're having the Paris party and the golf tournament uh, at the Carolyn Golf Club, the Western Carolyn. And then we're having a press conference on Thursday to talk a little bit about the, the Friday and Saturday activity. Um, we're having it at the Microsoft Store Fashion Square Mall, P&E press conference, 15th year anniversary. Uh, we're going back to the Carolyn on Friday uh, January 30th for the PE Players Roundtable and Luncheon. And the goal with the roundtable is to, to match players with C suite executives and professionals in the functional area of business that the player is trying to focus on. So, this roundtable luncheon will have the players who have businesses and we'll match them with, with successfully, successful uh, men and women in business based upon uh, their level of interest and the uh, really the, the mentoring match that we can make. And then on Saturday, we're having the 15th Annual Player Networking event. This year, we're focused on uh, really providing resources to players who are entrepreneurs. So we're having uh, really a player business competition. We're calling it Gridiron Games. Gridiron Game Plans, the ultimate player-owned business competition. So if I can put you in the mindset of the Shark Tank, there will be X number of player-owned businesses that will compete for funding. Uh, and so we have, we have quote, shark investors uh, ranging from anywhere as, as low as a, a hundred thousand bucks to as high as five million that have committed to resource that if they can find a player owned business that they believe in that they'll fund. So we're we're really excited about that. Uh we're gonna broadcast it on the live on the internet. So we have a huge social media campaign that we're uh about to embark upon and, and our hope is to really get a million folk that understand this whole player transition business in in the in the last quarter of 2014. We're trying to bring eyeballs to this initiative, eyeballs to the players that have transitioned successfully, and provide exposure for player-owned businesses so the world knows the products and services and industries that players are working in post-football. Well, Guy, I can tell you this. I, I'm, I'm happy uh, to hear that you have c- continued on. Uh, with your passion, happy to see that players are, are out there that are actually uh, calling you, reaching out to the league, looking for opportunities. Because I know there are players out there that are looking for opportunities. And and I want uh, those people out there in corporate and those people who are, who are just em- employees and employers that are willing to, to mentor and uh, to become um, 
you know, role models for athletes who need role models themselves to continue to support athletics and athletes. So uh, thank you. Uh, I'm going to have to uh, take a break. We got to talk a little football. And I know I can talk football with you too, guy, for a long time, but I want to keep you focused on, on what your passion is. And so thank you so much for joining us. Uh, and I know you're going to be back again, again soon here in the next few weeks. So uh, make sure you have a good day and be safe. Thanks, Ray. Thanks for having me. God bless. All right. All right. I think I'm going to take a break. And then, of course, uh, I got the chef, Chef Julian, going to let me know what's cooking out there in the world of football, particularly out there in the Midwest, in the state of Ohio. I think the Cleveland Browns did something he might want to talk about, as well as, uh, well, the Cincinnati Bengals did not. But there's a lot of football going on. We're going to talk about it. You're listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. It's going to take a real short break, and then we're going to come right back. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the 3 is very much the one to beat. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. Are especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to Win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You hear that music? You know the show. You listen to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix living like it matters. It matters to me that those three young men have gone on to a better place in life, but we have to continue their legacy here on this earth, and we have to make the game of football better and use them as an example because we want to keep them involved in their process. They died. The least we can do is honor them by making the game safer to make sure that doesn't happen again. So I've got... Chef Julian on the line with me. I want to know what's cooking out there in the world of football. Chef always got something cooking. So, uh, Chef, let me start off just by asking this because I can't get. I'm out here in Arizona. The folks out here want to know: is it just is it just the Arizona people here that are crying because it happened to one of their ball players, or what was was the hit on Calais Thomas? I mean, on Calais Campbell uh, by Thomas was that a, was that a cheap shot? Did you see? Did you see that as a cheap shot? I did see it as a cheap shot. You know, Julius Thomas, he was playing as a receiver, so I get that uh, as a receiver, sometimes you have to do, as a tight end receiver, you have to do delayed blocks, then go to your route. But shot blocking a guy that obviously was not looking your way or was not coming your way, 
I think that's a, that's a little cheap cheap shot. Yeah, and I, and I think that, you know it's interesting that it, it came from Denver. Denver is a team that for generations and generations and generations has been known to to mm, block illegally, and so therefore it you know it made more people think that perhaps maybe it was you know, a calculated decision. You know, he thought about it, well, let's do it. Because sometimes the best way to eliminate a threat is to eliminate it. So you want to get the best player out off the field, you know. And so Calais Campbell this time in terms of the defensive line is the best player on the Arizona Cardinals team. So, it, you know, that could have been. But but this is certainly one of those things that, you you know, unlike, I believe, when there is a defensive back and a safety going to make a tackle, and if is the runner, you know, is he – is he, you know, unprotected? You know, is he in a football position? Has he made a football move? This is one of those things where I think it was kind of easy to think about. But let me move on because we only got a few minutes with the chef, so I, I need to find out what's cooking across the league. Tony Romo. Is Tony Romo back? Are the Cowboys for real? I mean, Tony made I, – I, I got to get – I'm going to say it was a better catch by Des Bryant than it was a throw by Tony Romo that helped them, you know – uh, win this ball game, but but what did you think about Tony's performance? Because I think he he threw an interception, you know, when the game was kind of on the line there too for a second. So is is Tony the same old Tony, or is Tony got over the hump? And can we count on the Cowboys maybe to 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 well at least be competitive? They're competitive in the East now. I don't know if they can win it, but uh, what do you think about those Cowboys? Well, the Cowboys are doing really good to, right now. You know, Tony got a running game, yeah. They do have a running game. You're right. You're right. You say they're doing really well. I'm, I'm agreeing with you. They got a great running game. But, but Tony, can we really count on him? That, that's what I was getting to. He's playing like uh, Jerry Jones expected him to when he, when he got him. But you always got to remember, it's, it's Tony Romo and it's the Dallas Cowboys. And these past few years, they've been known to hit a slump. And I really think that slump is coming soon. When they get into December... Early November, actually early November, I feel like early November is going to be the time where they just go all the way downhill from there. I don't think that, I think this 4-1 and one start, I think it's the peak of their season. Yeah, you know, it, it's interesting. They, 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 they came out of blocks, they're pretty hot, you know, it's good to finish up, you know, the first quarter, you know, the way they did. Uh, but you still think it's the Cowboys. So at some point in time, even when they're winning, you're looking for them to somehow lose the game. And speaking of that, even when they're winning, somehow you're looking for them to somehow lose the game. I think one of your favorite teams and one of my favorite teams that we perhaps have thought might have found a way to lose, they found a way to win. We're talking the Cleveland Browns. Finally. <laughs> they, they, you know, like the teams of old, like the Cardiac Kids. You know, they, they found a way to win instead of losing. That must have been something that made the people in Ohio pretty happy, at least for a weekend. Well, when you think about it, I mean, when you make history as becoming the first road team, as becoming the road team to have the biggest comeback in NFL history, you know, you got to brag about it as a Browns fan. <laughs> you have to talk about it. Uh, Brian Hoyer, he it looked like he was struggling, but – then you got to think about it. When he started the comeback, he threw his first pick of the whole entire season. That was the first uh, turnover of the Brown season. And that just shows you that they're, they're uh, an efficient team. They're the, most, they're the best efficient uh, offense in the NFL, actually. And 
to be honest, I think it's showing. You know, they call themselves the Cardiac Kids, and they make it show with these fourth-quarter efforts. Well, I, I certainly believe this. I, you know, I, I've seen Brian play before, we, before he got hurt. He was a good quarterback. He wasn't a great quarterback, but he was a good quarterback. He, the kid's still young. He's not. He's not a you know a, a seasoned veteran quarterback. He's been in the, in, in the league for years. But I, I certainly, I'm going to tell you what. If they just let him alone and let him play, I mean he's 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 living the life. He's an Ohio kid. He's back at home. He's getting a chance to play. He's starting. He's playing well. Like you said, as far as him, I don't believe a quarterback manages a game. I believe a manager is somebody who doesn't do anything but tells somebody else what to do. So the management of the game, in my opinion, comes from the sidelines. The coaches manage the game. The players have to actually execute. And he's done a tremendous job. I'd be curious what his quarterback rating is. uh, But it's got to be pretty high because, like you said, that's one turnover. Uh, you know, and it just came in, in the, what, the fourth or fifth game of the season. So uh, the Johnny football stuff, how are we doing back in Ohio with the Johnny football stuff? Are people content now that he's on the bench and, and he's going to be there and he's going to stay there? Or is, is, is hoeing on a short string that could be jerked at any time if he doesn't do the right thing and Johnny football is going to get in the game? Well, actually, to be honest, I think it's a good thing that Johnny Menzel is on the sidelines, but I also think that it's a good thing that Johnny Menzel is on the team because that keeps Brian Hoyer motivated to keep playing better. He said it all the time. He said if if uh, the Browns didn't uh, draft Johnny Menzel, he would really have not that much motivation for this season. He's Johnny Menzel being on that sideline, keeps Brian Hoyer motivated and staying playing the way he does, just like he played in that comeback game. That's how he should play from now on if he doesn't want Johnny Manziel to be on that field. Well, I'm I'm glad that he said it to you guys publicly, but I'm just going to say as a former player, let me just let everybody out there know that the player doesn't have to motivate you. The one who you're competing against, he doesn't have to motivate you that much because there's a man upstairs who writes the checks who's actually going to make that decision when that time comes. And, and, and they make decisions sometimes uh, prematurely. Uh, the guy that you're competing against may or may not be better than you, but uh, sometimes they make decisions that, uh, that uh, you hope that they never make. But anyway, Chef Julian, I'm, I'm so glad you called me. We missed a couple weeks. We're going to have to make sure we get back into the weekly rotation. Going to have to be here every Tuesday, 4 o'clock for you, Eastern Standard Time. One o'clock for me, Pacific time. Want all you know, hey, come back next week. I got to come back next week. You might as well come back and listen to us. You've been listening to Ray Ellis Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm here in Phoenix. I'm living like it matters. I told you what matters to me. Those three young men, they lost their lives. Let's not forget about them. Let's keep them alive. Let's keep them in football because we're going to make the game safer because they needed the game to be safer in order for them to stay here. But they're gone. But we're going to keep them alive because we're going to make sure this game of football that we all love is going to be safer. So I'll tell you what, it's time for me to go, so I'm going to have to say it. I always do. I'll see you next time, which will be the best time. Thank you for spending this hour with Ray Ellis Sports. We hope that you've enjoyed today's conversation. For more information and to write Ray, visit RayEllisSports.com. That's RayEllisSports.com. 
Be sure to join us again next Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Voice America Sports Channel. 